Hi guys, happy Sunday. I hope that you've had a great week. We still miss you so much. And I just wanted to update you on some of the things that you've been able to help with during this time and that our church has been able to help with. So for Easter, um, a bunch of you got together and with your families, you guys did a hundred cards for Easter for Park Regency Assisted Living Home. And that was so awesome. And you sent chocolates to them. And some of you are just so consistent at going monthly. And I know you couldn't go, but thank you for making that happen. We have some pictures just to show you of them receiving their cards and they were so excited. Some were like, no pictures, my hair's not done. So uh, we love those guys. We love you for being consistent with them. So thanks for doing that for them. Um, Another way we've been able to help is um, we've had a couple of generous families give towards our first responders at Hill City because we do have several that are first responders at Hill City. And so um, we're just so grateful. They were able to get restaurant cards and grocery store cards this week. And thank you for doing that. We want to support them and their family during this time. And if you want to give more towards that, towards our first responders at Hill City or towards the community, first responders, then you can give at myhillcity.org slash give under COVID-19. And we'll make sure to get some restaurant cards to them and maybe they can give them out even to some of their co-workers and help support them and their family during this time. Um, another thing that you can do to help, super simple, is love your neighbor Adams County. They help with COVID families right now. And you can take food non-perishable donations every Sunday from 12 to 1 to Northern Hills Church and that's on Highway 7. So you can just do a quick drop off if you're wanting to help with something like that and it doesn't take much of your time. Um, Another way you can help is to volunteer with Urban Outreach and they're teaming up with the Dream Center, Denver Dream Center, and that's on April 30th. They've been given donations to take 500 pizzas to first responders all over the Denver area. So we're super excited to be able to help them with that. There's a sign up on our Facebook, on Urban Outreach's Facebook. You can go there and sign up to volunteer to deliver. It'll only be about an hour stint when you sign up but it's an easy way to help and get some good food to the first responders on the days that they're working. Um, and then one thing we're super excited about is on May 4th, it's a Monday, um, we'll be doing community table to go. So we've really missed doing community table and it's something that we have grown to love so much as a church um, to just be able to invite our city in to just have dinner with us. And so the Ramirez's and John and I got to have a fun Zoom call the other night and they just had the idea of let's do it to go. Let's just still do this. So on Monday, May 4th at 6 p.m. You can pick up your curbside dinner to go for free. And we just want you to invite your neighbors, invite your community, invite your family, invite your friends, invite anyone that you know that might be in need. Or if you're just like, I cannot cook tonight, come and pick up some barbecue and some rolls from us. It'll be at our church location. And we just want to be able to help in that way and do free community table to go. So we love you guys. We miss your faces. We hope you're doing well and um, hang in there and we will talk to you soon. Hi guys. Um, my name is Marie Pareda. I just wanted to give a little bit of a testimony 
to what God has done in my life. I am um, work in healthcare and I can't stay home or I couldn't stay home and I was exposed to the coronavirus. It nearly took my life. I am um, woke up one night and I couldn't breathe. And I asked my husband to take me to the emergency room and they admitted me. They put me on the COVID floor. They finally did a test because not everybody's being tested. You literally have to be in respiratory distress in order to be given the COVID test. Um, the first night was pretty rough. They had me connected to every kind of tube and double IVs and it was so hard being away from my kids. And the second night, technically it was the morning, like around five o'clock, I got a nurse come in to check my oxygen and it had dropped down to 70, even with oxygen on. And um, they moved me from the COVID floor immediately to the ICU because I was going into respiratory distress and they needed to put a, to intubate me. But I just prayed. I just prayed and I gave it to God because I was so scared and worried about my kids just the not knowing and I had a respiratory therapist come in and the respiratory therapist just calmed me and the doctor and a nurse named Erin and they told me to lay on my stomach because laying on your stomach helps you get more air to your lungs. I laid on my stomach for 21 hours trying to avoid getting intubated. It was the most scariest thing I've ever been through, just struggling to breathe. And I remember putting Pandora on and just listening to Lauren Daigle and that song, Rescue. And I just kept on begging God to please help me and to intervene for me. I had so many people praying for me. It's just like that song says that he's sending you an army. He sent me an army because I was saved, guys. By God's grace, I was saved. I don't deserve nothing. But his grace was sufficient for me. 
I just want to encourage you guys that prayer does work. I know it. It's hard to have faith when you're going through something. It's so, so scary. But prayer does work. God is alive. And he loves us. It's just on us to do our part. I'm still on three liters of oxygen and I still struggle to breathe, but I'm alive. I can still see my babies grow. I love you guys and thank every single one of you guys for praying for me and for the things that you guys did for my family. I'm forever grateful. God never gives up on us guys. Sometimes we're the ones that mess up and we give up. But we just have to have faith to push through during these times.
God, we rejoice in who you are. We rejoice in the fact that we have Jesus, that you sent your Son to save us, that we might have a relationship with you, God. I pray that you would just walk hand in hand with us through this life, Lord, through all the trials and tribulations, God. Everything that might be coming against us, God, all the fears, the worries, the anxieties, Lord, I pray that they would just melt away right now in your presence, Lord. Thank you for the time that we've had to spend with you today, God. We just honor you and we bless your name. You're so awesome, God, and we'll praise you no matter what because you're good. We thank you, Jesus, for this time. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If you're new or newer, my name is John, and welcome to Hill City Online. It's just a community of regular people who love and follow Jesus and uh, in this uh, cultural landscape. But I'm so glad you're here. We're in the book of James, Faith That Works. And last week, we talked about, uh, we introed the series with historical and cultural context insights so that you could hear this message as the listeners back then would have heard it. Because James echoes so much of what his brother Jesus was talking about. It was his bigger brother, of course, with his teachings, with the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and also in Deuteronomy with the Shema. You, would, uh, you could read that. I would highly recommend you read that, Deuteronomy 6. So Pastor James is writing to his church, going through all sorts of hardship, which it, we all go through these hardships, right? And yet, unlike us, they don't live in America. They were living in a land completely occupied for hundreds of years by the Babylonians, then the Assyrians, and then the Greeks came over, and then now the Romans. And the situation... It was worsening. It wasn't getting better. The Roman armies came, and they came with heavy-handed force, burning down towns, using crucifixion, and that was their reality. Think about that. I know we face trials, and, and we've, in this moment, we've lost our autonomy. Some of us have lost jobs. You might feel inside of yourself like, man, where is my stability? Yet many people are really suffering today. But I want us to remember that there was a time that the Roman, when James was writing, the Roman occupation was mighty. It wasn't like this. It, it, and you would think that James would be like pulled back, but actually he pushes forward in the midst of pain to get bolder about God, bolder about the message of Jesus, that trials and hardships are a part of life, and God does not promise that once we follow him, you're going to be on easy street. It's just going to be breezy, right? Hardships are going to go away. Listen, we all live in a fallen world and sin has devastated us, if we would be honest. And, and, and in so many ways, God is calling us not away from the crazy. He's calling us into the crazy to be like Jesus in it as ambassadors, representatives, and practitioners. That's what it means to be a disciple. Showing the evidence of the power of God through our lives and our actions through our lives and our actions especially in hardship 
that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that God can redeem even this for his glory and our good. The cross, it reminds us of that. So here, before we jump in, I want to give you a story, and I want to set, set this whole thing up. It's very odd, I guess, but when I was a kid, I was kind of a strange kid. I know that's hard to imagine, uh, but when I was in high school, I was nominated most unique, right? And looking back, that was not a good nomination of honor, right? But it, maybe it fits. I remember one of my favorite movies as a kid. I don't know what your favorite movie was. Mine was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. That's right. And it's the Gene Wilder version, the old school one, not the, not the Johnny Depp one, which was, I felt personally like it was trash, right? But I would... I would I, I would sing uh, the songs. I would uh, memorize the lines. You remember the song, Pure Imagination? Like, come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. I think that's how it goes. Uh, but I remember watching it now uh, when I became an adult. I, 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 I was thinking, this is a weird movie, right? Especially the boat scene with the chicken, right? With the head getting cut off, right? And if you missed it, watch that again. But I love this movie, even with all of that. I love Charlie and Grandpa Joe. I like the Oompa Loompas and their dancing. Violet and Veruca. And today, I'm not trying to make some weird theological leap to tell you that Jesus is Willy Wonka. Don't quote me on that. But this is what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give you some context, something to think about, something that will connect all this together. In the movie, the whole point of bringing people into the factory was to give the factory away, all right? That, that was like, that was what was going on. To forever bless whoever would get the factory, to have them take over, to own, to manage, to steward this gift that Mr. Wonka has created. The golden ticket was not just to enjoy and experience and access this factory, but it was the face trials, hardships, and temptations, both externally and internally, to see what was in them if it was character or crookedness, if it was selflessness or selfishness, if it was endurance or if it was weakness, coming out of the other side and refined as pure gold, mature in character, trustworthy and pure in heart. Which reminds me, all that to say, it reminds me of the book of James and what he says. Jesus, like Willy Wonka, gives us access to his kingdom. Even saying that is weird, right? He, he gives us access to his kingdom, his power, his life, his spirit, his world, so that we can mature and redeem it and steward it well. Uh, for us to steward this gift that God has given us with our life, our influences, our family, our city, for his good and his glory, right? And with that in mind, let's read James chapter 1, 9 to 18. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like wildflowers. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plants. The blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trials because having stood the test that that person would receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised those who love him. Now, 
What does that even mean, right? Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high positions and the rich should take pride in their humiliation since they will pass away like wildflowers. Like what, right? Uh, We need to deconstruct this or this sounds like I don't get it, right? James is continuing to tell us what it looks like to trust God when we face trials of many kinds, right? James says the Christian in humble, low, in poverty circumstances can still celebrate because they are with Christ. They are not phased by this overwhelming poverty because God supplies their needs. And as I work and walk with God, that even hardship can bloom and blossom into maturity. And ultimately, ultimately, the greater remains, which is the crown of life, ultimate redemption, life fully and eternally with God when he makes all things new. The poor Christian can declare that because their hope is not in this world, but on Christ. And the evidence of that hope is faith in fire. It's that strength, that endurance in hardship. On the other side, James begins to warn the wealthy, the rich, much like his brother Jesus. Did you know that 11 out of 39 parables were about money, right, and wealth? And that Jesus talked about wealth and money more than heaven and hell combined. It was the second most talked about subject in his teachings. I think we can conclude that Jesus was trying to tell us that there is danger, that there is dangers of how money can blind us, corrupt us. Now, he didn't say money was evil, right? He didn't say that even though you might hear that. We all must have it. It's a tool. It's an outcome of hard work. It's an outcome of luck. And it's an outcome of blessing. There are both rich and poor Christians in the Bible. But here's the dangers we face. First, when I say the word rich, most people think someone richer than them, right? They think of someone else. That's human nature. But listen, most of us who are, who's hearing this message on high-speed internet, right? We are rich. We have means to depend on ourselves. So Jesus is speaking to us. And I, and I want you to assume that, that Jesus is speaking to us. Coloradans, the medium income of a household is $76,000 in our area. Think about that. Some of you guys make double that. Some of us, we make less, right? Some of you guys, we make less. But all of us, most of us, I would say, meets that criteria. We are rich. Half our world makes 10 times less than we do. And James tells us, be careful. Be careful. Money has a way of competing with God and our reliance, our faith on God. Drawing us away, thinking you have enough. I have everything. I can do it. I'm in control while losing everything that really matters, like people, like peace, like purpose and redemption. And here's some ways that money can be dangerous. Number one, money can corrupt. We see it in politics. We see it in Hollywood. We see it in sports. Tom Brady, right? I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. We see it in technology which hurts humanity and our world, but it's okay because it makes wealth, right? Because the more you have, I want you to think with me, the more you have, the more you have to lose, and the more you pressure you put on yourself to have it, to maintain it, and to make more of it. It just is. 
Money can lead us to dishonesty. It can make you cold-hearted. And you say things like this, and I, I've said this, I'm sure we've all said this. If I can do it, then you could do it. You're just lazy. We, th- we might not say it out loud, but we think it. Which can be true, right? But this pessimistic view of others can cr- corrupt a clear view of you. Forgetting all the people all the blessings that have been given to us, right? All the people that have poured into our lives, all the moments that we had, all the, all the opportunities to get us where we are today, the family you grew up in, the opportunity that was open to you, being born in the United States in the, instead of Angola, right? Many things that we have access to that was outside your control. I know you worked hard, but don't forget the blessing. No one is self-made. No one, no one. Number two, money can lull us into a false sense. A false sense of security, a false sense of identity. I'm better, I'm smarter, I'm greater because I have wealth, right? You see this when your buddy gets a promotion on your job. Have you both got a job, you're in the same situation, and then your buddy gets a promotion, and then they start bossing you around. I don't know if you had that, but that happened to me when I used to work. And, and, and you're just like, dude, bro, You're just a shift lead at Taco Bell. Calm down, calm down. You don't need to wear a suit. See, when you get a promotion and when you receive a little bit of wealth, you can see some true colors when someone receives power and promotion, right? Pride also grows quickly in wealth and pride in the Bible shows us, it separates us from God. It separates us from humility, reality, thinking, oh, I'm all good, I'm all safe. Yet how quickly things change. Remember just a couple months ago, remember when all we thought about was like, oh man, I, I can do this, I can do that. We were making all these plans, right? And we, all, we thought, man, it's always going to be the same. And then tragedy hit, corona hit, people were caught off guard. I was caught so off guard. A couple of months ago, we were talking about vacations and renovations and weddings and summer break, right? And today we're talking about uh, trying to get back to work. We're talking about health and safety. We're talking about stimulus checks, teaching our kids at home, right? And toilet paper of all things. It's crazy. We are not as secure as we thought. We weren't having any of these conversations, but this is our reality today. Lastly, pride, it keeps us from repentance. I'm gonna say that again. Pride, and you should write this down somewhere. Pride keeps you from repentance, which is the most important ability in your walk with God, in your walk with others, in your deep relationships, and when you face hardship. And James is resonating the verse in Isaiah 40 where he says, The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Our richest day will wither. Life will fade for all. Even us young bucks that don't even think about that. Your business will one day no longer be there, right? But God, he stands forever. So we got to build our life on the foundation that does not shake. It is the root of wisdom. It is the root of true life. And it comes with the promises of God. Now, verse 13, he continues. Now when tempted, no one should say God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. 
Then after the desires have conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. The word temptation is the same Greek word as trials. But the English translation, we use trials for external adversity and temptations for internal. Think about that. So our internal fight is against our own desires and those desires in you, both good and bad. Satan uses them and misdirects you and lures you by what what's already in you right from desires you have of wealth and control right to be in a relationship to be liked none of these are bad things they're good but satan manipulates our good desires and leads us into sin sexual desires which is not a bad things can lead us into infidelity and lust right and money can lead us into greed. Control can lead us into abusiveness. Desires unsubmitted to God leads us into sin. And sin, when it is grown up, it will lead into death. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, and eternally. Eternally. Listen, I know sin is enticing. And we, we have this natural rebellion. We don't want anyone to tell us what to do. Yet... Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you far more than you want to pay. So can I give us some strong advice? And this is strong advice, but I'm going to blame this on James because this, this is the advice he would give us. And he starts us with remember the crown of life, that eternity starts now. And his warning was because he saw double-minded Christians falling apart when hard times came split by this way too much love for this life and not enough love for God, which means we are worshiping the wrong God. We got caught up <laughs> to what I want to add to my life, right? Uh, to what I want to have and enjoy instead of being guided by the questions, what is the purpose of my life? Why am I here? What do I need to accomplish? So even in the midst of this current crisis, we can have much of God. Pastor James and I challenge you about your soul health and about your wealth right here. Number one, I got two things to say, and these are applications for you. Assume you're in denial. Assume you're in denial that the amount of money you think you need is more than you need. Assume that the amount of money you think you give away is less than what you actually can give away. Assume that. Assume it. I'm not asking you to give more to the church. I'm asking you to think about your generosity. Think about why Jesus spoke so much about greed inside of spirituality, right? Greed about the way you look at your life. Think about it. Think about it. Number two, look at Jesus again and again and again and again and again. Who was rich but became poor. Who had everything but became nothing. Who was king but became a servant. Who had all of life but gave that life away for you and me. Who was with the Father but became separated, separated from the Father so that we could be brought near. Look to Jesus and keep looking to Jesus. And when you're going through it, keep looking to Jesus. In closing, James writes in verse 17, 
Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chooses to give birth through the word of truth that we might become the first fruits of all he created. Everything we need, everything that matters is from God, from the breath in your lungs, from the gravity that holds everything together to the spirit that is in you, the consciousness of mind and the mind that he gave you. And apart from him, we are nothing. He does not change. He stands forever and he is with you in the storm. I want us to be reminded of that. He does not change. He stands forever and he is with you in the storm and he can redeem every situation. He gives us wisdom. He gives us strength to defeat sin and he can restore you even in your hardship. Every good gift comes from our good God. Amen, John. Every good gift comes from our good God. I don't know where you stand with God today, but I plead with you. Come back to God. Repent. Humble yourself. Ask Him for new life. Ask Him renew my mind for wisdom, for grace. Fall on Him who is our crown of life. For the Christian, I want to ask you, are you living the call of God for your life, the purpose for your life, why you're here, what you need to accomplish? See, the early church, they face what you face and maybe face much stronger hardship. Yet they grew up, they matured, they knew God and impacted their world because in the fires of life, they did not forget God. His great commission was not a great suggestion to them. Right now, I believe for all of us, we have such a great opportunity to do good, to speak love in the face of crisis. Trials may come and we can freak out or we can cast our cares on Jesus and trust him or we can walk out or we can walk with God using our gift, our means and our influence for his good and his glory, for our good, for people's good and God's glory. This is the church of Jesus Christ built on faith that works. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there are many people listening in different places in life, but I pray, God, if we need to repent, we repent before you, God. We bring ourselves back to the feet of God, seeing who you clearly are, holy, ultimate God, and seeing who we are, Lord, humbled, Lord, but loved by God. I pray right now, some of us, we're carrying such burdens. We're walking around without hope. I pray right now we would cast our cares on you for you care for us, for you came after us. We look to Jesus and for all of us, those who have been walking with Christ, let us get back on mission why we are here. It is the great commission, not the good suggestion. So I pray, let your church, let Hill City be missionaries in this moment of crisis. And I pray in the name of Jesus that we would do that boldly, God, to consider it joy, that, it would, that our crisis, that we can have joy in crisis for we're walking with God. We thank you. We honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys and hope to see you soon. Hope to see you soon. God bless you.